When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. Ah, welcome back to Fright School. Hello, Joe. Hi, Joshua. How are you doing? I am well, thank you. How are you? Hey, I'm good. It's, uh, what is it? It's uh, St. Patrick's Day. Yes. Uh, I've got my leprechaun t-shirt on. I got from, I don't remember where. I actually got this for the Melissa Etheridge cruise last <laughs> year. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Because we were going to be on, you know, on there for St. Patrick's Day. Can I tell you so. something? So where I get my haircut is a very uh, queer, like, it's a very queer shop. Uh, Dink's Barbershop on Adams in, um in uh san diego right and the owner um lt was like to i was there in the shop when they were like oh i'm, I'm going on the melissa etheridge cruise is that when you got your hair done um this past week last week oh, last, last year last year last year yeah. and so i was like oh my god like my friends are gonna be on that cruise and it's like oh cool are you uh, asking her if they're on the boards and everything I'm like yeah i'm on the boards i can't wait i'm really excited and i was like oh what are you, who are your you know who are your friends i don't think i'll see them and i'm like oh no you'll see them yeah <laughs> <laughs> they're the two cis they're the two cisgendered white men that are in uh that are in all that are like goths on vacation yeah and then um i asked lt when i got my haircut recently i'm like hey so did you hear are you going on the cruise again and he's like yeah and i was like oh yeah then my friends are going too and he's like oh yeah i saw them <laughs> I saw that last time. I know it's amazing. Yeah, but there was like talk on like the 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 Facebook group page. Like, how are we all going to know each other? I'm like, don't worry, you'll know who I am. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I have long, luxurious hair. You'll see us coming from a mile away. She was like, oh yeah, he had like a black hat, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, yep, that's him. That was me. That's yep. that's all him. black all week. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Gotta stay. I know friends just of ours- like this podcast. It's all <laughs> black. <laughs> that's right. Our friends, friends of ours, just hit us up and we're like. um, uh, would you like to go snorkeling with us? There's 11 of us are going to go out on a boat and we're going to go Fuck. snorkeling. Do you want to do that with us? We're looking for other people. Are you I'm sure like, that you're That sounds like it's outside during the day. <laughs> so that's a no. I don't know if you're familiar with Vampiric Legend, but right. uh, we don't yeah. go outside. <laughs> Not doing that. Not doing that. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so we are uh, honored to have a special guest in the studio today. Joe, do you want to introduce? Yes, I would. Uh, that lovely giggle that you heard uh, is from a dear friend of mine um, who is a, a local professor of African history, um, and his name is TJ. Hi, professor. Oh, hello. Yes. Hi, I'm TJ Talley. Yes. <laughs> And um, (laughs) TJ and I met as all uh, gay men meet. Um, we met on we met on blackpeoplemeet.com. Yes, right? we did. Yes, oh, yeah. you know, thanks, thank you, Solange, for bringing yes, it back. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and 
I, you know, I, I'm going to say this by, I'm going to hold this up by saying like, I'm not Mark Meadows. I did not say, oh, we are going to, we're going to talk about a black movie. Let's bring in the most learned black that I can, that I have and bring them onto the show. Go on. But I was talking TJ about like, oh, you know, I really would like to have you on the show. Is there any movie? And he was like, oh, well, this, that, and the other. I'm like, well, you know, I haven't done Candyman yet. Why don't you come on? Because I know this is something we're going to do soon. And that's how it happened. So it's not like, who is a... Who can I get in? As your favorite token black. It's yes, fine. I'm totally exactly. Okay. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yes. Welcome, TJ. Welcome to the West Craven Memorial Library. Right. Yes. Welcome. Welcome. And, uh, yeah. Now we'll have you. So we'll do Blackula and we'll do... No. <laughs> Done. <laughs> we'll redo Night of the Living Dead. We'll just do Perfect. all the black movies. Okay. Yes. We'll uh, do uh, <laughs> Leprechaun 2, Back in the Hood. Right? Our, well, there's there's Leprechaun in the Hood. Oh. And then I think Back to the Hood. Right. That part is cultural. <laughs> yeah. It's muy cultural. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Smoking yeah. bongs. and Smoking bongs. Many, many a bong quite a f- was smoked. It, yeah. Yes. <laughs> smoked the bongs. Quite a movie. Uh, no, but welcome. <laughs> We're so glad to have you. Thanks. And, um, you know. Yay. <laughs> Yay. So anything to get caught up on? You haven't been watching the new Drag Race season, right? No, I, I'm... You've seen the first and... I saw the first and the second. I haven't Same. seen the third. So um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I, I truly don't. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful, question mark. <laughs> hopeful that it's going to get better. better. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hopeful. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, but it's a lot. It's a lot of, you know... It's a lot of like it, it, the thing about, and it's always it's been this way in recent years. It's like oh, you have all these queens on, and you know, barring any familial connection as far as like the houses of whatever, whatever, you have uh, queens that come on and they're like, they look like oh, you are the ex version of this uh, queen, yeah. and you know, I I'm I'm just like oh, remember when we had this original version? Yeah, you're <laughs> not the original version of this queen. Yeah, it's so. kind of unfortunate that it is. It's sort of starting to um, sag under the weight of its history, you right. know. Yeah. And because it's been on for eleven years, so many of these people who were fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, like grew up watching it, and now they're you know doing drag and they are inspired. And I just like watching it, it's like gosh, so many of them have the same faces, mm-hmm. you know, the same thing, you know. And and again, I, I think this is going to be another season as it kind of goes along that. Um, we're going to be talking about race, you know, and yeah. some of the reactions the girls are having, you know, to each other, yeah. kind of like with Miss, um, um, oh shoot, last year, the Vixen, uh, Vixen. the Vixen, the Vixen. I went to say Venus. I'm having the same thing, like <laughs> extravaganza. Uh, but, yeah, the Vixen, you know, and that whole conversation, which I was like, I think this is really, really relevant, and this is very sad to watch this girl be attacked by all these people. Right. So anyway, so I think that you know, so I'm very, I'm kind of very uncomfortable, and there's like, there's a scene um, with um, Ganache, yes, silky, silky Ganache, silky and, nutmeg Ganache, so yes, many things, exactly, so yeah. delicious, yes, delicious, but. It's got some, some Islamophobia going on or oh, something. Oh. Yeah, and it's a little... Oh. It, yeah, because one of the other contestants is Muslim. And it was like, I don't want to talk... Because the, the last... The, this previous episode was... They were doing a um, like a church show, kind of like in the... Like TBN. I don't know oh, if you sure, ever sure, watched sure. like Trinity... You know, yeah. Jan and uh, Jan Crouch and all of that. It's that, it's that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. the one girl's like, I don't want to talk about my religion. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't want to. And, you know, so there was just some stuff going on. And then I'm hearing there was things behind the scenes and... 
I'm just like some. I'm interested to see where this goes now as a cultural conversation. Oh, yeah. So much as like who's going to win? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm just very interested in what the dialogue is going to be around the season as it continues. If this sort of storyline continues, mm. you know. So, anyways, I'm curious for y'all to watch it and you know. Oh, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I only watched the first two seasons, the first two episodes so far, right? And again. Yeah. I mean, we could talk for ages about RuPaul's relationship to blackness in particular, mm-hmm. and we could talk, I'm sure you guys did, about like the end of the, the All-Stars, where I was like, cool, the weird takeaway for me as a black watcher was like, cool, the only time that you as a black queen get to win is if it's also where you, you get this dubious win with a white queen. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I mean, if we want to talk about this most recently, I was like, was there a need to make both versions of drag versions of Black Panther and Get Out? also kind of starring white queens i had lots of really weird confusion moments watching that yeah yeah it was yeah because i was like you know we get it because like it's the thing about the thing about drag race that i love is that it's always parodies of things that are happening that are last year right yeah because right. you know it's they make it a year they make it a year in advance mm-hmm. so with this it's like huh okay get out i can see mm-hmm. black panther but it's like you have a lot of white queens and yeah you know, I yeah. mean, there was no, there was no blackface. No, good. I mean, the bar, is, the bar is so low. You know, I was like, <laughs> see, because you get that VH1, you got those VH1 standards and practices now. Right. So it's like, you it's know, they're now. like, we can't have no blackface. Uh, we're already pushing the line with uh, um, whatever her name is, the Vietnamese girl, as like a Vietnamese claw with like one Nail. arm, nails. Yes. Yeah. What's her name? It's uh, plastique. Plus, yes, plastique tiara. Well, you know, that's, that's already a statement. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's very fascinating to have like in that moment, it's like, ah, yes, let's do these two very great, you know, recent examples of black representation and then have like very minimal black people. And both the stars, right. Of both of the versions were white Queens. Right. So like the, Mm -hmm. so like the, the Chala was actually like, this was brooklyn yeah and then who and then you also had the the star of uh the get out one was what scarlet envy yeah, yeah exactly mm-hmm. and you have like these two like really like ah yes you know <laughs> when i think of Daniel white... kaluuya i think of scarlet envy <laughs> exactly you know yeah. what is amanda seal says the whitest whiting of whitery yes, yes. It's, right <laughs> but enough about san diego yes <laughs> We going in. Um, I'm not racist. It's a preference. Okay. It's a preference. No, it's like you're my San Diego scruff. Thank you so much for, for those who don't, I can't keep having that conversation. I'm like, for those who don't know. And you know, this is a shout out to all of our lovely straight friends at horror movie night. Uh, Oh, right. Who got a massive education. When when Joshua and I went there, we gave them a massive education. We'll we'll talk about that on the the episode. We're going to talk about that. But like, you know, one of the things, one of the things that's that is an issue within the gay community is when you're looking at hookup apps it's like you know a menu that you select so it's yeah. like it's like which which you know like you just pick <laughs> which one you want which dick yeah. yes which right. it's which dick um yes. and that's not uh you know the gay hookup app for wiccans is, right ah you know. good old witch dick yeah yes yes, yes but it's knows. like you know oh like what are you into are you into now you can see that some of them they're shifting so it's like okay now we're just you know we're tokenizing by body, we're fetishizing by body type as opposed to by race because for a very long time it's like you can set your filters to only show you white men exactly at the top Mm -hmm. only show you black only show you latinx whatever 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 yeah and so and it's always been like you know as someone who 
my joke has always been like, well, like I always, white faces always attract me first because like growing up, I didn't really see them. So they're exotic to me. <laughs> and so I was like, yeah, white men are, white men are exotic to me. And you know, that was my way of like flipping the script because the word exotic is just, it makes me not feel good. I'm like, Ooh, it's exotic. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, watching British cooking shows and hearing them use like exotic ingredients. I'm like, you mean ingredients from places that you, from sub, from like subconscious that you've colonized. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's British, so it's like mustard. Yeah. They're like, oh, so exotic. <laughs> it's like mango and avocado. <laughs> you know. It's coriander, the leaves and the seeds. Oh, yes. Well, they did one, the Great British so they're like, churros. And I was like, all right, guys, it's cool. that's Spain. Spain's near you. You, you know what? Fine. Don't worry about it. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's, that's a thing oh. that comes up a lot is like, you know, the, it's like, I, no, you know, no, no fats, no femmes, no Asians, no right. spice, no rice, no, you know. Oh my God. Yeah. And especially when they say, and then people are like, oh, they want potatoes. I'm like, what? Mm. Like, yeah, potatoes, no, no, no rice. Or yeah, I was like, why is it like this? <sighs> why? It costs literally zero dollars to not be like this. Yeah. It's, it's free. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. It's like proudly advertising that. Cause I mean, it's one thing fine. Like, cause those people, they can remove all of that from the apps and people will still have the behaviors like, you know, whatever but it's like yeah like to post that like pro- like you know no black people no asian people like i'm just assuming whatever about all of you you know but it's not i'm not being racist right <laughs> yeah. that's the thing i'm like please 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 ex- explain my, i want to know why like how like the connection there my favorite <laughs> is always it's like uh tend to go for tend to go for like latino or white guys comma sorry right yeah <laughs> like, it's like, very strange or my favorite one my favorite one lately is like have a soft spot for gingers and i'm like oh okay. i mean I, like one gingers can you know come from many different cultures never what they mean yeah exactly <laughs> like ah oh, gingers you mean like you mean like ron weasley you're like what are you what are you looking at that's the darkest they want ron weasley yeah, yeah barely, exactly. barely barely white enough yeah <laughs> Well, it's, and it's, it's hard for me because, like, I am from Southern California, right? But I am a I'm a queer black man um, who spent the last four years as a professor in rural Virginia. Ah, mm. uh, yes, super fun in Confederate Landia. Oh wow! And, um, uh, <laughs> also meant that, like, I, I would, love that milk, Confederate yes. Landia. Oh yes, yes, Confederate Landia, um, the land of statues and regressive history. Um, but yeah, they would they would people would be would there be the fun double bind of homophobia and anti blackness? So like. Um, people would be like, oh, well, you know, you're really fun, but you know, and I'd be like, wait, what? And you would get the sort of immediate moment of like, oh, but you're, you're black. And I was like, I am aware. I, I, there are mirrors in my house. <laughs> yes. You're, you're a black. And you're, yes. And yeah, that's sort of obvious. This. Or my other favorite is like, you're on the apps and they'll, they'll, like a dude will be like, so I'm really into white, Middle Eastern, Latino, and Asian dudes. And I'm like, dude, uh, huh, first off Native American erasure sweet but also like oh, I was like I see what you're doing there you're like in no black but just <laughs> just in the absence it's like literally the negative space it's like in the white space yeah yeah I mean <laughs> I feel not not to completely derail this conversation to be about uh, gay hookup culture but like I legit as someone who is also like you know this like large fat chubby dude it's like mm-hmm. oh yeah i i've said this before it's like i in gay spaces online spaces physical spaces it's always this simultaneous feeling of like being super ostentatious but then also being invisible because exactly. mm-hmm. it's like i feel uh, i feel out of place when people like cuz people are like oh i don't have the physical ability to be smaller so it's like i'm invading people's intimate space in these places where people are 
are um, really smushed together, and like unintentionally. But at the same time, I'm not being looked at as an object of desire yes. in like traditional. Uh, "Quote unquote safe queer spaces, which you know tend to be these bars where pretty much everyone looks alike, mm-hmm. um, unless you go to like a bear bar and then everyone looks alike but white. Exactly, <laughs> <laughs> they look like you but what? And then it's like, yeah, I always get told by guys who I meet up with, it's like, oh, you can, why don't you go to this night? Like, I feel like you would be, you, you know, you would find guys who like you there. And I'm like, yeah, but then they're all like furry, like they're all hairy, and I'm not hairy, and yeah. I'm just like, you know, I'm kind of this, you know." Uh, what does Guy Branham say? This like left-handed oyster shucking glove. Like someone's looking for me. It's very specifically made for a specific person. Uh, but you know, I'm not just kind of out there and readily available. So yeah. Well, the best yeah. description of that is like I've described it once as like being in the apps like mm-hmm. that as being like a, a a silent explosion, like an explosion on mute. Yeah. Right. So it's like it's it's very visibly there, but it's also in like completely unremarked on. Right. Yeah. Like, so you're mm-hmm. like you're, like you're like oh I, I see it, but I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you can be you're seen but not heard. Ooh, yes, I am like a fart. No, yes, wait, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're like children in the Victorian age. Indeed, yeah, seen indeed, but yes. not heard. There Surrounded by small um, statues of angels praying. That's the poll quote that you want to. <laughs> <laughs> small Brown. statues of angels praying. Yes, yeah, right. Yeah, Professor of African history. That's right. Hit me. <laughs> seen yeah. but not heard. <laughs> Like, what? can we put that on your business card? It's like, yeah, hi, Professor Tally, Professor of African History, and then parentheses seen but not heard. Right. Yes, actually. No. <laughs> so you talked a little bit about um, your your history moving into, uh, so like this is a good, this is a segue. We're segueing. It's very, very. <laughs> it's very subtle. It's true. So, um, Some nuanced discussion we're having. One, one question that uh, we always ask a guest that come on. We have two questions that we always ask guests that come on. So the first question is... Um, uh, it, when what what was the first horror film that you remember seeing? Like just in general, surprise! This is a horror film. <laughs> yes. So um, I'm 34 for the next few weeks. 35 soon. God. Um, yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Go, it's on go, that. We're team, on that. Team Aries. Just feel the age. Just being. Oh, here we. Oh, this roller coaster ride. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Why does my back hurt? Um, uh, so yeah. So, oh, rain is coming. Oh my god. Oh, I feel it. Um, we are very on task. Um, but yeah. So I. So I was born in '84. Um, but this means that when I was like six, um, there was a moment where perhaps an unguarded moment where my mother forgot. Like, to make sure that I was, like, you know, that she was supervising TV. And so I watched the 1990 um, TV version of It. Oh, um, wow. Yes. Oh, wow. Which has permanently informed my feelings of clowns. Yes. Um, <laughs> and about childhood, quite frankly. Yeah. Like, so it was, it was, it, I was, like, watching. Yeah. Please, please turn that clown there away is a, There is a oh, plush clown yeah, that's sorry. on the bench. And I've, been, like... I've been slowly just sort of, like. <laughs> collapsing into myself i'm like it's cool be strong be brave be brave um, I but, like it. but yeah i was like six yeah. and i was and it was great because it's a weirdly like it's a very meta movie for a for a, a child to watch too because it's about childhood and mm-hmm. childhood terror and so i obviously didn't appreciate that at that point i was like oh clown oh no 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 clown no spider clown oh god oh that's blood um uh, <laughs> but yeah that was the sort of i was like six six seven and i remember watching it being like Oh no! And it was like the first sort of concept of like, oh, this this is horror. This, this right there, yeah. This is scary. It's super scary. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, after so after that, what was the first movie that you were like, that is a horror film, and I want to see it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's real different, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that probably it was the first Scream. Yeah, okay. probably the first Scream. Um, but I didn't watch it right away. It was like 96. I was like yeah, 12. So I think yeah. I was like 15. So it was like, 
like 99 and I'm watching it and I'm like, and I, and I like most people, right. Cause I had somehow missed that. There was not the, the internet really to tell us about it. So I was like, Oh, well it's Drew Barrymore. She's going to be great. Oh no. Yeah. No. <laughs> oh no. Right. And so I, and I liked it because it was also really self-aware about what yeah. it was doing. Right? It's like, yeah. it's a horror movie. Wink. And I was like, what a good way to start, to start a horror movie. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. So I was, I, I remember being sort of mildly horrified and then intrigued. It also um, ruined for years how I feel about garage doors. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's one of my favorite things about horror as like this kind of cultural event is that, you know, you take such mundane things and make them really terrifying, you know, showers and psycho, um, you know, a fuzzy TV, which for most of us, is like, ah, where's the, you know, move, but it's like, you know, poltergeist and then the ring yeah. making it, you know, something so terrifying, hockey masks, right. you know, things that would never in any, really in any other well, I mean, unless you're an indoor kid like me and right. they bring out the hockey. Ah! Fair. <laughs> not doing that, uh, but <laughs> not playing that. Um, but, but, you know, it's like give, giving it, imbuing it with this horror that stays with you like your whole life. Mm-hmm. You know, if you go into like, you know, well, for it, you know, maybe you go to a gym. I don't know. Yeah. I, you know, but you see that drain, you see the locker room. It's like mm-hmm. immediate, like you imagine something crawling out of it. It's, it's like forever tied. And I think that's really fascinating. Oh, yeah. 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 So garage garage doors have been ruined for me. Also, I mean, like, similarly, like how there was that internet forward, like early internet forwards where it was like the the scaremongering of like, be careful when you're at a gas station because people are going to put needles underneath and you might contract HIV. It was like such a weirdly specific forward in like the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, and I was thinking like, that's not a real thing. And literally I was pumping gas yesterday. And as I opened, as I pulled out the gas, the, the, the gas pump, I like looked underneath and I was like, you are 34. You know that this is not real. Are you waiting for a death needle to come out of this gas pump? And I was. And all of a sudden, yeah. AIDS. And then, yeah, and then, yeah. Well, now there's the AIDS yes, in right. the gas. Now you have AIDS in the gas. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, and so um, I, I I really I love Scream, and that was one of the movies that like we held off watching for a long time in the mm. first season of the show because it's like, Joe, you don't know fuck all about horror films. Like right. you can't see Scream without seeing like all like you know you need the conventions first. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, so it would be yeah, it's it's fun. I remember watching. My mom went to see it with her boyfriend at the time in the theater, and mm. the second it came out on VHS, like at the time, yeah, <laughs> we went to, to the movie gallery and uh, and got it. So like I watched it. When it, whatever that was, probably later that either later either late ninety six early ninety seven, sure, sure. I would have seen it because my mom was all you know like oh you guys are gonna love this like wait till you find out who the killer is it's so good you oh, know nice. <laughs> but still like twelve and my youngest brother would have been six at the time so oh. well or seven and thirteen somewhere in that in that realm so it was a family event everybody get around we got popcorn it's a family affair you know <laughs> Mary uh, Cha-cha. yeah exactly um so that that's very that's very very cool so do you consider yourself a, a horror fan so i've i've like all of my feelings they are mixed yeah. um uh, so i i have mixed feelings about it. i i like horror and it's like one of the places that i like to visit it's not mm-hmm. my it's not my primary genre um but there are times that i like i like it when it when it pulls me into something right so yeah. so i don't actively seek it out as my main genre but then i'm like oh Yes, I do want to go to there. And then I find those to be super compelling. But but I, I like it as sort of like something that riffs on it. I'm not always just in it. I have seen all of the leprechauns, right? So <laughs> yeah. including the unfortunate weird veers into like leprechaun black exploitation. Right. Right. And as someone who is both Irish and black, I'm always like, I have many feelings. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. I feel like 
now, you know, we're more than 60 episodes in um, at this point, and I feel that at this point, I'm very much where you are as far as horror. Like, it's not my main genre, but if, like, a trailer comes out and, like, and I think more of, like, ooh, I think this would be a great thing, A, to talk about on the show, or B, to, like, talk about with Joshua. And yeah. it's very... It all becomes fodder for the show. It becomes yeah. fodder for the show, <laughs> and, you know, I I've made the conscious effort recently to insulate myself as much as possible because That's I fun. feel like it helps our, <laughs> I feel like it's like, I don't want to be so far into horror that like you lose the magic of why we do the show to begin with. Right. This is a little meta conversation for anyone listening out there. <laughs> yeah. um, What's well, like the, uh, the plane ride. Like I shared, like you're oh, watching yeah. mama Mia. I'm watching Halloween. Cause horror definitely stays always as my, you know, I'm always going to choose yeah. the horror I was film. like, I was like, Mamma Mia, here we go again. And then Joshua was watching the Halloween remake. With yeah, the, the, latest, or the, the latest. The, the sequel. The, the sequel with, uh, with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. And yeah. we're just like, yeah, this is very on brand for both of us. Because, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like watching like a movie that's made for a plane. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was Me- exactly what it was made for. Because it's like, you know, how do I how do I get 90, you know, two, oh, first of all, that movie was two hours. How do I get two hours to pass by very quickly? I know. Let's have uh, Mommy Here We Go Again. I feel like I only want to watch the share part. It's at the very which end. Which is like, yeah, like yes. five minutes of the movie. It's so Which little. is enough. That's enough for me, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although I do love ABBA. You know, I mean, we, we went and, and, and worshipped at the church of ABBA, the museum, you know, the ABBA Museum in Sweden. So, I mean, I, I do enjoy ABBA. <laughs> but that's a whole other. That's legit. I'm here for, I'm here for all of that. I'm not mad at that one bit. Yeah. For, uh, for me, my, my horror interests yeah. also like veer into like the, the line between horror and thriller. Okay. Like, yeah. So like, so like, like like a sort of like just straight horror movie is like not always my ideal, but like one that I'm like, this is also like a psychological thriller. So like one of the earliest ones that I really liked was when I was in high school and I saw like the bone collector. Oh yeah. And I was yeah, like, yeah. and like, and that is still to this day, the type of death in a horror slash thriller movie that stays with me. Like if you were to ask yeah. me like, what is the death that stays with you? Yeah. And that poor fool gets tied to that, that poor person gets tied to that steam pipe yeah. and they're trying so close and they, they miss saving them by like, 30 seconds. Yeah, the woman. Yeah, Again, yeah you, the you, wife or whatever. Yeah, and you watch the steam rise up and then her whole face is gone and I was like, that is on the list of things in the back of my mind. Like, I've been in like a sauna. Yeah. I've been like in a shower and I'm like, but the steam yeah, it still still stays with me. Also, that was like an early Queen Latifah movie. Like she's in. Yeah, it. yeah, Queen Latifah's in it. Um, Angelina Jolie yeah. and um, oh shoot, who's the, uh, Denzel Washington? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean it's actually. It, it, I just it's so funny you bring it up because yeah. just a couple weeks ago I watched it. It was on demand or something. I'm like I'm totally gonna watch the one because I hadn't seen it since it came right. out. And yeah, that it is very freaky. And you know, we're talking pre-Saw, where Saw has a whole like scene, like with right. the you know the steam and exactly. the fire and all that kind of stuff. But it's like that. That's it's it's not somehow not as gritty as like the Bone Collector one. It's just it's so tangible. And she's there, like she really wants to save this woman, and she is. It's just late, but just and you're just missing. Like, yeah, and that's yeah. like 2000. It's like 20 years ago. That was yeah, like, yeah. that's crazy <laughs> to think. About. We're very young. We're very youthful. <laughs> yes. So what you're saying is, is that you know in the time where you've been to a gay bathhouse and someone wanted to go play in the steam room you're like no no, no. exactly i was like get out get yeah, out not doing yes it. yeah it's true <laughs> well, see now i'll only be able to think about that when i go to a gay bathhouse you know, like, yeah. so thank you for thank you for ruining gay bathhouses for me no thank you it's just like angelina hurry <laughs> come in here 
<laughs> so you're calling the front desk. Can you send Miss Jolie back here? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I need her. They're like, what is that? Is that code for something? Yes, know, it what, is. What does she need? It's like, wow, you're you're so different slang for math lately. <laughs> <laughs> collecting all these bones she is. Well done. Sorry, that was terrible. Yeah. No, you're no. out of control. That's a good, I mean. It's, and everyone's it's fair. It's a fair point. Yes. Uh, <laughs> But I no, I, I I like that. And I think that's true probably for a lot of people. You know, not everybody does want to sit and watch like Saw and watch people be tortured right. to death or or something like that where there's a lot of blood and gore. But I think yeah, we do like that. You know, the excitement of of um, you know of a, of a thriller. Of, right. You know, kind of getting into the, like the adrenaline of it all. You know, so I, I think that makes sense that there's that that sort of intersection for some people. Mm-hmm. You know, not everybody's. Uh, so to you, you yeah. you know, as this, as a professor and mm-hmm. as someone who speaks many languages and has lived in different countries across the world, mm-hmm. what is some um, like what are horror films like, and have you seen any horror films made by the various film industries of the different places you've lived? Oh god, which is That's to say, which yeah. is to say, uh, where have you lived? <laughs> And, you know, tell us a little bit about, like, if you've seen anything or do you feel, because it's so fascinating, like, when you, we've been watching a lot, you know, in subsequent seasons after the first, we're watching films from, like, different, Mm -hmm. uh, made from, like, France and uh, Japan and all these different places. And (laughs) all these different places. France, Japan. France, Japan. That's two places. Um, (laughs) But we're we're talking about, um, it's interesting to see uh, how culture is you know, informed with this particular media, uh, these particular media artifacts and how like we, we were talking about like Japanese movies. And I was like, there's like an inherent, there's such a cruelty in these really extreme films mm. and like a cruelty in such a way that like, you know, you, it, you almost could never make it in the same exact way in America because it's, yeah. we don't have that. We don't have that capacity. Well, we have a, we have a very yeah. high capacity for cruelty yeah. period. Sure. But like when it comes to art, the kind of art that you make, we soften it a little bit. Whereas with like some other films, it's like, no, we're going to show you everything right up front. And now, now you have to deal with them. Mm-hmm. So my question is, you know, specifically that, like when in the places that you've lived, um, one, where are those places? And two, what is, what is horror like, or have you experienced any of that particular culture's horror, mm. um, as artifact, not as like, you know, documentaries about their <laughs> genocide and colonization. Correct. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a great question. So yeah, I'm a professor of African history. My focus is on 19th century South Africa, focus on questions of race and gender. Um, uh, but yeah, so I've lived and worked in the UK, and but also specifically South Africa. A lot of countries in Southern Africa I've lived okay. in, but but South Africa is my my main my main space. Um, and I I actually can't think off the top of my head of South African horror movies I've seen. So there will be, I'm sure, someone will listen and be like, Bruh! and I'll be like, oh my god, I can't believe I didn't think of this one. But um, and I've lived on and off. I'd say probably about I've lived about four to five years total of my life in South Africa. I I work in both uh, English and IsiZulu, and I'm also I speak Afrikaans, although not very well. Um, so, and then again, my next place that I, that I'm doing work and research in is New Zealand. So I've spent some time there oh, too. Wow. So, um, but it's, it's interesting because I, my favorite sort of thing that takes that genre and twists it, right? So it's sort of a not immediate answer. I'll get back to South Africa, but I think the best twisting of the, the genre of horror, right, is, is Taika Waititi, who is, who is ridiculous and nonsense person, um, 
who, who when he did what we do in the shadows is a really good uh, sort of remix of what horror can be because it's not a horror movie right it's, right. A, it's a documentary love story but it uses all of the, the conventions right it's like imagine everyday vampires right and then it takes what i think is the horror convention of like the actual killing and turning of people right but mm-hmm. it just becomes like a perfunctory part of it which i think is something very interesting like in a particular new zealand context is like there's a sense of new zealanders being sort of aggressively average aggressively ordinary not super stand out and one of the critiques that they make of the one new zealand vampire one kiwi vampire is that he's not doing what he's supposed to do he's standing out too much he's trying to brag too much as he's now he's like look guys i'm a vampire now and i was like Shh, you're supposed to just keep this on the low so it's interesting i think that, that that is a horror movie that takes sort of cultural factors and plays it out as like this particular sense of uh, Kiwi senses of um, equanimity and sort of like egalitarianism. I think it's played out on like a horror genre, but not in the in the actual horror film aspect. In a South African context, um, it's fascinating because I think a lot about how do we think about horror that doesn't just reproduce like the most um, like the most Heart of Darkness esque Joseph Conrad, like mm-hmm. the dark African horror. Because I've watched a lot of like seventies black exploitation like mm-hmm. films, and definitely like. Obviously, like, Blackula or, like, sort of, like, you know, Mandinka Warriors or, like, these sorts of things where, like, the darkness is there. I mean, we could also argue that, like, Heart of Darkness itself, it butts up against the horror genre because it is literally, like, the horror that we find inside and is super racist. We've talked about that for years. But um, but I find in sort of a sovereign context, I don't see a lot of films that try and lean into that really hard because that is such an obvious trope. And in a space where, like, there's this sort of heavy racialization already that happens, there's I don't see a lot of films that are like that. Um, but it also means that when I watch films, I come at it with this sort of like, what are the ways in which we present um, sort of w- ways that we in the West tell ourselves stories about ourselves, how we're normal? How do we mm. otherize others? Like, how do we actually emphasize the savagery or the the difference or the threat to then make our world seem either safer or ironically unsafe? And I think that's a big, like, we can do almost like a Wes Craven style of, style of horror where we're like, actually, the horror. You're right. like, cool, cool, Jan. <laughs> like, that's, it's edgy. But, yeah. like, that sense of it, I think um, that's the approach I take intellectually based on what I do is I, I already, like, I teach, I'm at the University of San Diego, and I teach um, a class called Africa and the Western Imagination. So we think a lot about the ways in which we require Africa to do certain things for us, and we don't even think about it, right? So we think about the ways in which... Africa tells us certain stories about ourselves and we use that as our baseline. We don't even think about it. Ourselves as in all people or black people? Actually, as in like generally white people in the West. Okay. okay, okay. I just wanted to understand. No, I'm really glad you asked. Yeah, the the, the language. I mean, I love that. So yeah, yeah, go ahead. One of the best examples of this is when I teach Mean Girls, right? So I get to teach as an actual class. I'm a grown up. I'm a professor. We have to watch Mean Girls. You get credit for it. Um, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And the reason why Mean Girls works is that we have pre- presuppositions about what Africa is and what Africa does, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So because Lindsay Lohan and her beautiful ginger self has been frolicking... Ooh, that was very ominous. Yes, we love it. (laughs) As always, the cats are, you know, have something to say. I love it. It's like Lindsay Lohan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's gonna, um, but like, say her name five times. I will not. I will not. She'll just show up, and her career will kill you because it's already dead. <laughs> well, I it. She'll do that dance on top of your on top of your dead body. So, but thinking about how like we have these assumptions. Ooh, now it's my turn. We have these yeah. assumptions about Africa, um, and what it does. So she's out of control. She's out of 
what regular Western culture is. And so she understands high school as a series of nature documentaries and animal films. And we already have these presumptions of what Africa is. Uh, My students count how many times you say, how many times do they call her Africa in the movies? I think 22 Mm -hmm. times that they call her as a metonym for the whole continent, which is really fascinating. So that's one thing I love to take to movies. It's like, how do we, what does this tell us about ways in which our norm, like we're establishing who we think we are in this way, which I think happens a lot in the movie we're going to talk about too. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, that's exactly like, that's what this show is about. You know, I mean, you know, trying to, yeah, examine these cultural anxieties and the way that horror reflects back to us, you know, whatever's going on, you know, and how we learn in the, in the stories that we tell. Um, I just watched the, um, horror noir documentary. Yeah. You know, did you did you get a chance to watch so that I yet? I did also watch it this weekend. Oh, yes. okay. Very cool. So I like there's all this conversation about how there's so many horror films that are about black people without them being in it. <laughs> Yeah, and, which is very fascinating. And you're right, especially with within the like the safety of like white communities of talking about like, you know, this approaching other. It's like, you know, um I wish I would have like written I have to watch it again and mm-hmm. I'll probably watch it a million more times because there's great. so much to unpack and so much interesting stuff but there, you know there was this whole conversation about you know no we're there we're the aliens and we're the monster we're the creature from the black lagoon mm-hmm. we're the Frankenstein you know we, we are these these threats this, this dark ominous threat to white society and I just I thought that was so fascinating and then there was the other quote in there which we can probably talk more about um, especially we're, we're going to discuss Candyman in the, in the second half but um I, I keep forgetting. I, I should have checked before, so this is on me. But either way, I think it works both ways. Black horror is black history. Black history is black horror. Absolutely. Like this this idea. So it's like, do do we need to make horror films <laughs> to a certain extent because it's like our our history? It's there. Our life is yeah. Horrifying. Like there, I mean, it is horrifying in a way that like white society is not you know does not carry those sorts of those sorts of tropes are you know i mean we've talked about on here like the epistemology of fear and these ideas that you know we love to be scared and a lot of our fears of like spiders or snakes are like ancient they live in the back of our brain when we lived in caves and these were real threats to you know the small community of humans Mm -hmm. you know that there that there's that so yes and we all share those sorts of fears but this like reality of our existence is existential fear is radically different for 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 each each of our the groups you know no matter where you're coming from like it informs so i don't know i just i i I love all yeah well and we can think about also like genres of films Mm -hmm. or like literature even are particularly for black people very particularly raced right like Mm -hmm. so for us like as a black person like most science fiction imagines an idea in which the problem of us have been eliminated. Most science fiction imagines a future without black people. Mm. And I'm always like, well, that actually is for us horror. Yeah. <laughs> but, and so thinking about like how, what does it mean to have like black science fiction is often sort of disruptive. Cause we're like, yeah. oh, we're, we're actually, we exist in the future. It's, we, we're here. I mean, um, it's yeah. so, it's so, it, at, at this point, it's so niche that it's an entire genre of, it's an entire uh, genre of, um, of text yeah. is uh, Afrofuturism, exactly. science mm. fiction, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Like it's, it's like, here is us putting ourselves, seeing ourselves in a future mm-hmm. that for a very long time, uh, that's fascinating to yeah. think about that. And like, if you think about modern science fiction films, it's like, oh yeah, there's a, you know, where are the black people? Yeah. I mean, we just did the thing and the thing has, um, you know, it's what like, actually, it has several black. It has actors, several black people. and one who lasts till the end. 
one who laughs at the end. But like you know, it's so fascinating. Kind of like you know, what are their roles there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like one who's obviously like this kind of shoot first, ask no questions later, hyper masculine, and then like the cook, and you know, so ah, yay! I love it. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I mean. Yeah, that's all spot on. That was something that they covered in, in, you know, in in the horror noir documentary, and I'm sure has been discussed, you know, plenty, you know, in 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 those spaces. But yeah, it's it's sort of fascinating. I I also like because we've talked about on on the podcast, um, and this you know it's probably might be doubly true for you as a queer person of color. But you know, we as queer people, like you know, we watch, we engage in horror films, and we find ways to find ourselves in it. You know, so obviously it's kind of the same thing where we've spent years like identifying and, and and you know enjoying the stories even though it's like not necessarily made for us or by us or with people that look like us mm-hmm. but we still identify and i really love there was sort of the flip with talking about get out you know that you're sitting in a theater with you know everybody but white people are there and they are identifying with chris they are identifying they're rooting for him and and it's like i can't believe it took us a hundred years of filmmaking to get this point where it's like, oh, white people will watch a movie about a black person and be totally fine. <laughs> like, and there are no good white people in the movie either. Ooh. Everybody, all the white people in the film are bad and are dangerous and are, you know, despite what's coming out of their mouths with their like liber- neoliberal BS, they are all a threat. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, so that's like double, like not only do they emphasize, empath- empathize with him, but they don't question like that. None of these white people are good. You know, there's not that conversation doesn't come up. And I, I just love that. And then to take that to, you know, yeah. another degree is like because we're because we're obviously familiar with techniques of filmmaking and foreshadowing and all mm. of that stuff, it's like you have white people in the audience realizing that none of the white people are good people. And so taking that to something forcing them to experience um whiteness in that way yes. where like people of color experience white experience whiteness default like no right. no one they can trust i mean like when we saw it and it was a th- theater full of people everyone being like no mm-mm, like very like immediately no this is not good and then you know you have white people who are seeing it who also are getting that as well but like because it's being written into the film in that way and now you know it's just fascinating how that happens you know and just also goes to show how you know brilliant the brilliant the current moment is and the people who are making horror the jordan peels right now where they're talking about these social elements yeah yeah we've had you know such like a a change rachel true's interviewed and she talks about auditioning for the craft and being in that and first they were going to make her like anorexic and then that was kind of when she was hired they're like no you'll just be the black girl and you'll deal with racism and you know and then she's, but that's not really, that's not a big enough problem, you know, like in her, like, cause it's so normal, you know, and they, and there's, and there's other people that like talked about this too. Like, I really didn't think about, I was being tokenized. I was getting a paycheck. Like right. I was happy to be there, you know? And so it's like, cause it's just ingrained. Like, it's just, yes, I assume when I go out in public, I'm going to deal with awful white people. Like, <laughs> that it's just, that is yeah. just, you know, my life. So like, what's, what's my actual issue here? You yeah. Know? Also, we also, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, you have a black woman swimming. Like, yeah, right. Yeah. They can swim. They can swim. No, yeah, absolutely. Can swim. Yeah. yeah. But it was cool for her to talk about it because then she realized when she like did the movie and then it kind of came out. Although, I, I mean, there's obviously some problematic stuff with her relationship with the movie. And now like she doesn't get invited to stuff. Like, I guess yeah. she wanted to go do a panel on the craft and they're like, no, it's okay. Like we got the white girls, so we don't need you. I mean, it's, she doesn't say that explicitly, but you know, like this, something is happening. Like she's yeah. about it far less often. Yeah. yeah. And she's very important, you know, to, to, uh, to the story and to people, you know, growing up 
up and seeing, you know, her and, and her experience, it's like validating. Yeah, like, absolutely. yes. So anyways, that's, <laughs> I love that. Like we could just go. I mean, I'm here for this. This is the best way to spend a Sunday. I'm not lying. It's fine. Uh, anyways. So, um, uh, so many good things. You, you had something else. To no, add. no, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm just so happy right now. Do you do any uh, horror films in your class? So I haven't this semester. I mean, Mean, mean Girls is. Horror, mean Girls but, is a yeah. horror. If you think about it in its own way. <laughs> Toto's um, Africa. Toto's Africa is also a horror music video. If yeah. you think about it too. Yes. Um, yeah. No, I don't. And I've been thinking about what I might want to do. Right. Yeah. I actually had a student um, who did a really fantastic project about. Um, African horror films. Um, and so she looked at like multiple genres between like the seventies and the eighties. And so there was one that was like one where it was like a, she's like, I'm looking at a, a black lesbian vampire horror film. And I was like, pardon. Um, and it was like this sort of like these missionaries, um, um, who go to Africa, who then get, get turned by the darkness and become these sort of like vicious, like, um, like lesbian horror monsters. It's an Italian film and I'll have to, I'll have to pull it up and send it to you guys. Ooh, but I was like, a giallo film probably. Yeah. And I was like, what? Um, and so she wrote about this combining with thinking about heart of darkness and like the inherent monstrosism of like monstrosities of like black bodies. Um, and so I think that what I want to do is I want to keep, I'm teaching the class again in the fall. Um, and so I'm going to try and, vary up the movies that I do. Cause right now it's, I, I do specific genres. So I do black Panther. I do last King of Scotland for white savior syndrome. And then I do like the, the normalization of sort of like negative Africa for mean girls. And so I would love to do a, a horror movie instead to sort of think like, how do we think through this genre that is so we don't even think of it this way. So I have to think about that for the fall. Cause I'm right now in the syllabus revising stage where yeah. everything seems wonderful. And I'm like, Ooh, I can do so many things. And then in the fall I'll be like, Oh, it's the class. I gotta yeah. actually do right yeah. it's like yeah. i have 16 weeks and then yeah. i have 16 weeks right that's exactly yeah it. yeah our lives are really glamorous feel really bad it's so hard being a professor it's, yeah. it's not <laughs> i mean joshua can empathize he's been teaching me for three years right <laughs> totally um i i would be curious so yeah. um you know if you do pick something it'd be really fun to have you come in, uh, back because totally. you know, already we we adore you you're Yay! awesome the feelings mutual. Yes, babies. please, please come back. So, well, um, let's we'll take a quick break uh, mm-hmm. and to hear from one of our sponsors. No, <laughs> if you want to sponsor and us more, please, yes, this is where do. this is where we would insert you. You know, so yeah. please sponsor. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we will be right back to discuss 1992's Candyman. That's why I don't have sex. It's not because of my face or my general attitude towards human beings. The thing is that they don't refer to any of these things as murders, which is the most amazing part. It's always referred to as a disappearance. There's fucking blood filling the back of a truck. That was certainly nice of me, wasn't it, huh? Same set as Casper. Um, what? Is that really? No, but I would believe it, actually. That wouldn't shock me. I can't imagine that there's a ton of castles that Charles Band has at his disposal. <laughs> that frog is going to bang Roddy Piper. Nope, she's just one horny toad. <laughs> Justin Long just screamed that he's a fucking walrus for so long. He keeps yelling cuckoo-cachoo and shit. It's weird. <laughs> Join me and Matt as we discuss some of the worst of horror every week on the Horror Movie Night Podcast. Listen at HMNPodcast.com. All right, welcome back. That was uh, 
Horror Movie Nights you heard from. We love those guys. We spent an awesome uh, weekend in New Jersey with them and the Jersey Ghouls uh, doing Monster Mania Con. I said it right again. Yeah. Go me. I get points. <laughs> um, I do want to make you aware that I am guesting on one of their future episodes. I'm not sure. It could be out by the time this is out. I don't know. Um, but we're, we're talking about uh, cheerleader camp, so it's going to be really fun. So uh, look them up, Horror Movie Nights. Cheerleader camp with what, who? Leaf Garrett? <sighs> It was a mess. Uh, and and Joseph over here will yes. be guesting on one of Matt's uh, other podcasts, Playing with Squirrels, which is all about something called Boy Meets World. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Considering that, considering that you know your mom wanted to get you to watch Creep Show, right? Um, it doesn't surprise me that you're yeah, I, not a fan of Boy Meets World. I have a, I have one memory of of seeing an episode of that where who is the the woman in that mo- in that show? Topanga. Topanga. Daniel like, Fisher. Channeling spirits or something for her tests. Do you know what oh, I'm talking about? Where yeah, she's like riding like, she's, with her head up in the air and she's like... She, she is very new agey in, okay. in the first few seasons of okay. the... And then, you know, when she started to go through puberty, it's like, oh, well, let's make her a sexual object. And, right. And yep. then get rid of her they, powers. Yeah, exactly. Let's get away with... Let's <laughs> this get rid isn't of Sabrina. Powers. Yeah. Correct. Uh, but that is, the, that is the one vision. Like, anytime somebody says that, I have that in my mind is like her writing and channeling. So I always... I don't know. I just... That's it. That's all I got. Anyways. So. Awesome. The point is, support our friends. They're awesome. And they support us, and we love them. Uh, (laughs) Anyways, so today's uh, episode, we're going to try to talk about uh, Candyman. <laughs> We're going to try to stay on topic. Actually, we shouldn't have a problem. There's there's a, there's a ton to unpack here. So uh, it's 1992, uh, written and directed by Bernard Rose, starring Virginia Madsen, Tony Todd, um, other people, uh, Casey Lemons, who uh, wrote and directed Eve's Bayou and did a whole bunch of other cool stuff. Uh, Xander Berkeley of... Um, right. There you go. Of, uh, oh my God, Mommy Dearest. He plays Christopher... That's right. Oh, wow. Anyway, See? Yeah. Yes! Yeah. Yes, yes I did it! <laughs> uh, and it's based on a short story called The Forbidden by Clive Barker. Um, although, uh, heavily rearranged. <laughs> or not rearranged, but it's 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 a loose adaptation. Mm. Kind of. <laughs> Where um, The Forbidden was about, like, she Helen is researching graffiti. And she's all into graffiti and what it says about the urban, you know, culture. And... You know, and it, yes. in London in the eighties, yeah. yeah, it's and, a, London or Liverpool. It's one of those like it's like a dock working yeah. community. Yeah, and so and then obviously this they relocate here to America because it doesn't matter. It's not in America, and uh, you know, set in Chicago in the Cabrini Green housing projects, and so it's all about uh, Helen trying to you know research urban legends with her friend Bernie, and uh, they come face to face with a local legend. A corporeal ghost, I guess. I don't know what to call him. Like, especially with, like late in the film when he's like sleeping. I'm like, okay, wait, is is he a spirit or is it's like a corporeal so, wraith being? He, but I love that he's like sleeping and it's like obviously he's not right. asleep. <laughs> right. But that's the end. So we'll get to that. But anyways, I just try to figure out what to call him. I was watching it last night with my with my boyfriend and get, to get re, re caught up, and he turned to me and he was like, "So is he like a sexy bee vampire?" And I was like, "You know what? That's close enough." That's I close mean, enough. I mean, he's wearing like a fur coat, and I was like, uh, "Is this Huggy Bear from Starsky and Hutch?" <laughs> like, what? Yeah. what the, I you know I know that he's supposed to be like this, like a, you know that um, a like 
black person of means, you know, mm-hmm. uh, during whatever uh, the 1890s, yeah, like 1890s time period. So, but it's like you know, you have this very like you look like a pimp, like you have like Definitely this ascot, so. and yeah, you just needed the hat and the cane, and you could have been Huggy Bear. Uh, Accurate. I love it. Yeah. So, Joe, you just saw this for the first time today, just a few, just a few short hours ago. Yes. Uh, so, you know, start with your initial reactions. What do you think of it, the film overall? Overall, I liked it. Yeah. Um, overall, I like, um, I like the film. I, I was like, I kept looking at Virginia Madsen, and I'm like, she looks just like Gillian Anderson. <laughs> Um, and I was trying not to, I was like, okay, I know it's Virginia Madsen, Virginia Madsen, Virginia Madsen. Um, I thought it was really interesting how, um, it just, how the film turns on Helen, like how mm. she, cause in the beginning, like she's also this very, like she's completely manipulated everyone around like Bernadette into going into this project and, you know, everyone at every turn, she's like manipulating people to, you know, for, to to her, further her research and get her into the rooms that she needs to be in. So yeah. I thought that was interesting. And then how, like at that at a certain point, the film turns on her, and then now she becomes like the victim. Uh, also, I like and the that villain. and the villain. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I also like that this is not. I mean, it's not a it's not a slasher film. I guess in that traditional sense, but we don't have a final girl. Like she's yeah. not. I mean. I guess because she's you know a ghost or whatever, but like she doesn't technically survive. Spoiler alert! Yeah, spoiler alert. Um, yeah, but you know she doesn't technically survive. So I thought that was an interesting take on it. Um, I thought that a film that it, it has been, <laughs> I think oddly enough, it has been the film that we've seen that has probably the most people of color in it. <laughs> um, that wasn't like a, a film from Japan, <laughs> right? Yeah, 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 but yeah, yeah, like. Yeah. It was, you know, and and that and mainly because the last scene with the funeral, with you know, have like how the how like all the housing projects there, right, uh, to pay their respects. But I thought that was interesting as well. But overall, I liked it. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I I was watching it and I was just like, wow, this is something. It it it's interesting because like you know, early '90s and it's saying things yeah. that are still very relevant and things that we are still talking about to this day and i'm like i shouldn't be surprised by this but i am surprised by this yeah because it's still very very true yeah yeah i think you know i was gonna say something earlier about rupaul and like kind of the clumsiness of like 90s politics you know so at the time like you know when this came out at the time like i think people did see it as being forward thinking there were plenty of people who did write and say we think this is racist and Mm -hmm. you know and all of that but it's kind of that weird liberal thing where it's like Okay, so he can't. You can't have a black slasher. So we want to deny Tony Todd a paycheck. <laughs> like I don't know. It was very like some of the conversation was uh, was odd. But I think uh, you know nowadays, especially looking yeah. back and reading like reading it now, it's problematic. But I think at the time, like for the nineties, it's mm-hmm. it felt. Um, very future minded, you know, because yeah. the '90s I feel was kind of a renaissance in a way for uh, for black horror. You know, yes. there, there was there was more out there that was being. I made think black and, cinema in general, because yeah, you, you know, yeah, in yeah, the yeah, '90s yeah. you Absolutely. have you know. Uh, what set it off? You have, uh, you know, oh yeah, set it off. <laughs> yes. I love, I, I love set it off. <laughs> it's a perfectly lovely movie. I watch um, it often. Actually. The thing about, and <laughs> yes. I, I want to bring this up because it's, it's something that is, is very interesting. Is that the thing about representation and problems about representation mm-hmm. is that you know we're living in a time period right now where everyone is super sensitive about what is and is not, um, what who is and who is not being represented in the types mm-hmm. of stories that are being told. And at a certain point, like you know, you have people who you know are quote unquote woke but like they are actively they will they are refusing to tell stories if we don't have people who are of that 
you know, who are of right, that group in or participating yeah. in the process, which is great. But like in, when it comes to things like when you're producing theater or when you're producing things with like established texts that are about those people, it's like, okay, well we need to find, we, we need to try endeavor as much as possible to find like a queer actor. Like it, you know, anytime there's a, the, every, any script or any classical thing calls for someone who is gay or queer. It's like, we want to endeavor as much as possible to find someone who is queer to play these parts. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, you know, does that mean that we're not going to produce it if we don't find these, you know, people? So it's like, mm-hmm. not only have we, yeah. not only are we committing erasure, but it's also like we're tokenizing at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that's something. And that's, then preventing works that at least tell a story. Like, exactly. Yeah. And it's, very it's it's an interesting it's a complicated thing which just goes you know this is just my little plug and and every every person that we've talked to over the last three years it's just like you know if you are just write stories like it you know we have it's you have to just flood the flood it flood the zeitgeist with your own stories so that way you can um so that way you have it out there already we don't run into this problem where it's like you know oh the only gay the only gay stories that we can tell are you know punitive hiv and you know tragic love a tragic love story of the only two the only two that can exist yeah yeah Yeah. i don't i I do real quick i want to say is i don't think that the forbidden the clyde bark i don't think it's explicit that he's a black character right so Mm -hmm. you know just to say that at least the source material it's not really I don't know, trying to tell some big, you know, it's, it's about class, you know, just in general, poor, rich, you know, mm-hmm. but anyway, so, um, mm-hmm. but some of your thoughts, TJ. Uh, so, I mean, one of the things for me is that it's even more surreal cause I watched it. I mean, I think I was like 15, 16 yeah, yeah, yeah. when I saw it. Um, and so now it's even more surreal cause I did my PhD in Illinois. And so mm-hmm. I did my PhD about a hundred and 30 miles south of Chicago is a place called Urbana Champagne. And so Urbana now, Champagne. Urbana now Champagne, that's your drag name. That's indeed Urbana <laughs> Champagne. And I say champagne from a real friends and real pain from a sham friends. Yes. Um, yes. But yeah, no, so, so I was about, you know, two hours south. Um, and so there's this very surreal moment now viscerally watching this movie about deeply unhappy graduate students in Illinois and the lengths they go to do their research that did not relate to me before. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I am Bernadette. Okay, it's cool. Um, Are you you're Bernadette? You're not Helen. I am not Helen. I'm Bernadette. I'm like, what did this white person get me into? Yeah, um, frequently. No, so that's it. Was very weird that it felt weirdly familiar. I was like, oh, I've, and I've been on the UIC campus multiple times. So I'm just like, hmm. I think one of the things that just to start it, like really cynically, it's like, who owns an apartment like that? Unless you're married to a professor, what the f? Um, uh, everyone is chain smoking in a way that you don't see in like now, like right. that movie. Oh, I loved it. Right, yeah. it's 25 yeah. years ago, and yeah. so everyone is chain smoking in restaurants. They're chain smoking in their apartments. Like everyone is just they're smoking. in like a hospital chain smoking. Oh, yeah. She's in prison. No, she, she's, she's in not, jail. And she's she's a, yeah, she's in jail. Like she's just in like a holding cell, mm-hmm. and like first of all, she's like in full. She's already in um in in full like, like prison uniform prison uniform right, but like yeah. she's like changed i'm like like you you know who gave you that cigarette helen exactly you know shawshank has taught us that you gotta pay <laughs> you, i mean you, the commissary girl yeah commissary. get that commissary <laughs> um that's fascinating that's interesting because i forgot i forgot that you um you did uh yeah. you did some time you did time i did time i smoked <laughs> the entire time there yeah, yeah. You, you did time in um in illinois yeah so, uh, yeah, the the apartment, and it's like, oh yeah, of course you can afford that because it used to be a project, <laughs> a, right? And then it, and well, I know, but remember, she's like way overpaid. She's like, a no, she's so upset. She's yeah. like, this was supposed to be projects. I paid so much money for. 
And there's a lot of levels on that, right? We talk about like sort of like the gentrification over, like on some level, yeah. her. She just described gentrification, like right. like here you go, everybody. And like, her, her like sort of building a career out of Cabrini Green, right? Trying yeah. to build a respectable middle class career is not unlike the apartment that she inhabits right. that's mm-hmm. built out of like this thing that was not for her either. Right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But no, you know absolutely. when you when you slap a coat of paint on it, you you know cover up the cinder blocks and then charge a bunch of people for it. Yeah. Um, one thing. <laughs> One thing that uh, Vanessa Williams' character Anne Marie um, says is not that Vanessa Williams, the, right. other, the other one. I just do picture that Vanessa Williams. Though, playing <laughs> exactly. I was like, that was real rough. Save though. the best for last. <laughs> um, what that uh, what Vanessa Williams says is, uh, you know, white folk never come here except to cause us a problem. Mm. And I was like, well, that's foreshadowing if I've, <laughs> if I've ever seen it. And um, it and then also the other bit of foreshadowing that's interesting too that is seems like a throwaway line, but I knew something was going to happen is when she's like, oh, I'd kill anything, you know, I'd I'd give to have a child is what she says. And then I'm like, oh well, Candyman heard you, girl, and took that child away. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just interesting, like, how she, again, she just manipulates her way, like, she, like, Bernadette brings, um, Bernadette's bringing all of these, um, all these weapons and, you know, ways to protect herself, because she knows, as, like, you know, we, we would like to think that inherently, as a black woman, she knows what she's going to be walking into and the kind of situation she's walking into, so she's bringing all these things, it's like, wow, making fun of her, like, wow, you got this arsenal, like, what do you need all that for, and I'm like, Girl, we look like cops. We're going to the projects that's run by gangs. We look like cops. I'm like, and you a white woman, like. But that's the subtext, right? Is that Helen doesn't feel threatened, right? She's like, at the end of the day, I'm a white woman. And they make that even more explicit when the Mm -hmm. fake Candyman beats her up in that absurd bathroom where (laughs) everybody's writing messages and shit. What? But like, they beat her up and she's like, well, we can we can cause justice now because I'm a white woman, right? And they say openly, they're like, "Well, you can get we can we can solve this problem now because you're a white woman and you've shown up." Yeah, she's you're right. She's very aware of like her privilege, like mm-hmm. and of like they're gonna make a big deal out of this because I yeah because I'm white. Yeah. And they hit me in the face. Yeah. yeah, they they made me they they gave me a black eye that heals in eleven seconds. Yeah, right. Like with like remember she's like I put on sunglasses. I think time has passed, but nobody says, and now my eyes fine. I did a well, yeah later they say because she's like they kept her in a Thorazine drip for like thirty days, yeah, so yeah. it's yeah, mm-hmm. but it's very quick. Yeah. I did love how I, one thing I appreciated, and it's you know again it's I I it's a horror film, so you have to take what you can get. I did oh, yeah. appreciate that we didn't, um, we at least did not allude to there being a sort of gang rape situation. Correct. Uh, which, Ugh. which I was like, Oh fuck. Like they're going to, you know, the, the threat of violence is it, it's the threat is there, but it's never ex- made explicit, which is nice. Exactly. And, it, and, and that's another thing too. I mean, like, cause you have, you're, you're working with, and I, then I don't know if the filmmakers, uh, were thinking about this at the time they probably might have been but like the 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 idea of like you know oh black men taking advantage of white women's bodies in the in such an explicit way whereas you know the relationship that her that helen and Candyman have um it completely different and it's 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 different in a different regard but like in this particular situation where it's like you know oh yeah like we're gonna hang these men because they like assaulted a white woman Mm -hmm. yeah Mm mm-hmm yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I appreciated that we like automatically. We didn't just go right to. And now she is gang raped, and we feel super sorry for her. And, right. And now we have to we have to punish yeah. these evil black people. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. True. <laughs> yeah. That was that's very. 
<laughs> unsettling uh, thought. Anyways, yeah. uh, but that's something that's like brought up in like the horror noir documentary is like this, you know, assault on you know um, that hollywood like participates in 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 creating this fear of black men and that's from king kong yeah. to candyman is like is what they say um but you know i don't know the the helen him thing because it takes a while to get there and then it's like oh she's like the reincarnation of his uh-huh. lover and it's like okay so like he cuz personally like this goes with the fly conversation we had i find candyman to be very romantic you know, in a like, like I just think he's like this kind of, you know. I, there's a quote. So I've got all these like <laughs> papers and things. I was like, I'm trying to find these different quotes, but like in like this Edgar Allan Poe sort of way of like, you know, my dead lover that I, that you know I'm going to lay here next to you, um, you know. But it's like he's he has searched across time for her. You know, it's like everything is now coalesced that she has come. He, she has come to him to to you know to uh, you know to unwrap this mystery, this this candy. You know, <laughs> she's seeking him out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that she sought him out and that they have found each other again and there is this sort of romance and that he's not um he's not like a typical slasher you know a, 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 an extremely horrifying act was perpetrated on him for just wanting to love someone you know and and all of his all of his social graces all of his you know his education all of that does not protect him there's like that that sort of reading mm-hmm. um like with get out kind of the same thing like you know oh i'm here i'm safe among white people no <laughs> no nope. you know so it's like you know there, there's always that sort of that othering you know so it's like i just always felt like uh, that's one of the reasons I like the movie as problematic as it as it can be is that I like in the end that she's like the reincarnation and that he has searched for her, you know, and that they 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 are together again. There's this like just morbid romanticism. Well, she's al- he's also like he's also asking for he's asking for her yeah consent. he wants her to consent like yeah please come with me yeah like, give all this up like if, if, you know. and you know what if Candyman <laughs> could fucking ask for consent then so can all of y'all okay? right Candyman can ask for consent and his insides are ninety seven percent bees yeah. Yeah, so exactly. His bees, he's, he smells like honey. He's yeah. covered in bees, but he's all like, come with me, be with me. It was very... Did you was, just make a be with me pun because I'm here for it? No, I didn't, but I will just say I did. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it was also very Phantom of the Opera. It like, was very much. It's a black Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. That, Tony Todd in the, in one of the interviews like talked yeah. about that. Like I, I, I feel he's in that company with the Phantom of the Opera and someone else. Um because it's also it's like very histrionic like the the yeah. uh, the voiceover you know he has all of this diction he has this great diction and I, again like i hate to say it that way but it's like you know he has this great diction his elocution mm-hmm. is very good mm-hmm. and he's poetic he's an artist yeah you know, he speaks that way he you know there's a there's this kind of you know this kind of dandy element to him yeah. but he's also like there's like you know my love be with me and mm-hmm. you know all of and, and just yeah no he's got some great lines like what is blood for if not for shedding mm-hmm. you know okay, i'm that. rumor like it's you know what a blessed state to be you know or some you know something like that like you know i i, I make lovers cling closer together yes. like there's these beautiful lines that i'm like that is that answers some of like the the purpose of horror yeah. you know is that you know we do it's like that danger and you it gives you that reason to you know to grab somebody's hand in the dark yeah you know and and to cling and so there is there's these like beautiful things he says that, I, that i've just always you know yeah. really liked for the romanticism of it <laughs> i i shake my head because of course joshua thinks Candyman is a romantic film it's you a- know i like you know actual i like rom-coms where you know no one's killing each other they're just breaking up people's weddings because they think they know better um <laughs> 
you know, but that's another kind of violence. See, again and again, like like my best friend's wedding, like she basically is going there to break up a wedding and is like asking him to be with her. Uh, but like Candyman, he's like literally, you know, has killed a bunch of people, but he's also, you know, spanned across the centuries to reach right. out and touch her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. What's the idea of like, yeah, that's what's kept him alive. It's like, you know, he, this horrible thing happened to him. You know, his ashes were spread where this project would eventually grow. So he's, it's sort of like American horror story in a way that, yeah. you know, he's there and their fear of him and this story being passed on has kept him alive, has kept him corporeal, you know, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's very tangible kind of fear. And so it's like, yeah, he has to keep that going. And, and her participation in joining him adds to it. You know, yes. it adds now, now they are lovers together who, you know, will haunt this place and mm-hmm. continue to, to spread this, <laughs> this fear. Yeah. That empowers them, you know. I, I think this is interesting. Real quick, kind of goes back to sort of what we were talking about earlier with like the the housing project, because for so long, you know, I mean, well, not I don't want to say that because it makes it sound like it's past tense because it's still very very real that you know poverty and color like play go hand in hand with you know separating yep. mm-hmm. you know the um, people. But so they said um, something that the director Rose, uh, the biggest urban legend of all for me was the idea that there are places and cities where you do not go because if you go in them, something dreadful will happen. Not to say that there isn't danger in ghettos and inner city areas, but the exaggerated fear of them is an urban myth. And I think that's sort of what's guiding Helen where, you know, she does feel like it cannot be that bad, you know? And then Anne Marie kind of like, we're not all like, you know, you've come into my house looking for drugs. Are you looking for, you know, gang members? Like we're not all like that. I just want to have my baby and raise him the best I can. And <laughs> sure, just put that anywhere, Hemlock. Jeez. Uh, um, <laughs> Funny. But it's like, I'm, I, this is my life. I, this is where I can afford to live. This, mm-hmm. is what, this is what I can do. You know, but there's that demonizing of poor people that they're right. just, you know, there's, there's a, um, another conversation in one of these articles about like drone bees and like why the bee like represents like what it represents in the film and that like poor people are just drones that are lazy and cannot do anything for themselves. So they just stay. So it kind of becomes a symbol of like poverty and like, you know, how to fight it, you know, like what's best for the hive. I mean, mean, at some level, right. That metaphor does hold, right. This idea of this, this, this droning hive of danger, right. This idea Mm -hmm. that we think of, I think if in the, in the film you're watching it, like, um, Helen and Trevor and the others, even Stacy, God help Stacy, um, are sort of like looking at the sort of the Cabrini Green is this sort of hive yeah. where, mm-hmm. and you don't put your hand in a hive. Hives are dangerous spaces, yeah. but they also give you what you want. You want honey, yeah. right? And so the workers are continuously working, droning on for you to get this thing that you want. And everybody sees it like that, right? So Helen even Absolutely. goes to the hive to get the thing that she wants and needs. The other people acknowledge that it's over there. And I mean, on some level, you think about the fact that they imagine that they are occupying a a you know hollowed out hive that they then yeah. slapped paint on they're now in this sort of renovated version and they imagine themselves to be above this yeah. right and that um and i always find that really fascinating. But they're actual contributing members Absolutely. of society yeah. Yeah, yeah and and i think that what you've just brought up too is really important this idea that they they need the demonization of cabrini green as a way to reinform the idea that they're the normal mm-hmm. that this is like if those places are no go zones then we are what safety is right yeah. that we are what security is and we can have our sort of like banal unimportant relatively unimportant struggle of 
are you sleeping with that graduate with that with that with that student while meanwhile these people are like dealing with life and death issues yeah, right? yeah and yeah, so yeah. like that that sort of triviality is possible because we know that these people are doing the, the dangerous grinding work out there and i think the movie does at least gesture to that pretty well right the mm-hmm. divide between those two although i will say that the thing that makes me a little bit sort of anxious or a little bit uncomfortable and a limitation of the film is like, I want, I want a Bernadette film, right? Like I want to mm. know like, what is Bernie doing? Why? And this is cause I'm a former graduate student, right? I'm like, why is Bernie doing this grad work? Why is Bernie wanting to do this research? Yeah. Why? Like what, what is like, I imagine like, she's like, I got communities I'm accountable to and I want to do this work. And I'm like, but what we don't know you just this white lady's friend and then bad things happen. Why you bring flowers? Like this sort of, yeah. Why you bring flowers at the dinner with the other guy, the Purcell guy, who goes into the story of the Candyman, oh, and like she and she's um, uh, Helen is like poking him and literally poking him and prodding him, and you know Brenda's like, "Bitch, you're gonna get us, <laughs> you're gonna get our research delayed. Like right. you are gonna get us in trouble." And it's one of those things where it's like, you know, I, and I, I run into this all the time because as like I, I felt like more and more, I feel like you know, as this as a person of color, I'm in situations where it's like, you know. But don't upset the apple cart because mm-hmm. don't do anything that's going to get you like looked at in a negative way or kicked out or whatever because I have to I feel like you know you come into a situation where it's like I am representing like my, my family I'm representing sure. all these people I don't need you to think negatively of this mm-hmm. like you know it's like I don't so it's like you know don't speak up just to just because you feel like you have something to say right like and here and here she's like doing that you know it doesn't end well for her obviously it doesn't end well for either of them but like she's being she's like no like i want to leave i want to leave i want to leave i want to leave and she's like no we're gonna stay we got to get the pictures but tourist 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 you know all over the place Mm -hmm. but i feel that i I felt her very viscerally as bernie in that particular in that particular uh, moment because i'm just like yeah i'm constantly with people where it's like i'm constantly with people where it's like you need to you need to stop it you need to stop saying something you need to stop saying these things or you know like they'll comment on people they'll the, something will happen and then instead of like giving each other knowing glances and then we talk about it later <laughs> they will which uh i'm looking right at you because I, we we've I've done this, this one. we've yeah. done this before it's like i'll be with people where it's like and then they'll just like comment on it openly and i'm just like you guys need to shut the fuck up because you're gonna get us kicked out of here right or you know worse or whatever or and but that's also me being coming from a place of like i need to be not um i need to be not um seen in this right. moment i just mm. need to blend in because i'm already feeling one ostentatious and mm-hmm. all that stuff but yeah like the it's it's the kind of like the privilege that she shows in that regard like yeah. the privilege that Helen is showing in that regard where it's just like, you know, I'm just going to do this and I'm going to, I'm going to be out there and I need to get to the story and, it, and yeah. And to, to shift this entirely too. So, you know, I no it, don't it, hold on. Don't shift yet. Hold on. I do Go, okay, real quick. That's Cause I think I one of the, one of the most problematic kind of issues with the film that I have is that, the, yeah, it's like there, there's like this weird trying to equate like, you know, her like cheating husband, you know, with like this horrible mm-hmm. thing that's happened to him, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like, Oh, we're the same. Look at our suffering. Like, you know, um, that, mm. I mean, not, I mean, we don't have to go like too deep into that, but I just like, that was something. Cause I, I wrote down like, you know, one of the, I think one of his motivations, not only, yeah. I mean, he wants to like reconnect their love, but I'm sure that, you know, in the past, cause there's a sequel to the movie where obviously his, his, the, the, the fruit of their, passion 
whatever, the baby does survive. And, you know, later on, many years later, the, the, the main white woman character of Candyman 2 is like his great, great, great granddaughter or something. And, uh, so, so I, I wonder if the woman that he, obviously she wasn't, um, she didn't suffer the same like as he did, like they didn't yeah. cut her arm off or smear her with honey and let bees kill her. She went on to live her life. So there's like this thing where it's like, he's creating this around her to make her very aware of like the deep injustice, like the unfairness of life, you know, like you're being blamed for all this stuff that I've done, like, you know, but it's still, I don't know, but I'm trying to say to- it's like, it still doesn't like really connect their experiences enough to, well, it's to also, equalize it. I yeah, feel that exactly. kind of happening. It's as a way to, you know, here, let me one, show you how cruel and wicked the world is, but I also created all of it. Like I, I'm the one who's doing it. And it's, it's a way to still also control and manipulate somebody in, yeah. That, yeah. in that regard. And play him still as a villain, you know, rather than just a victim of, like, atrocity. But anyway, so what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say to to shift it over entirely, like, I'm – the one thing that I just can't think – I kept thinking about, and I thought about this a little bit, I thought that the Stacy stuff was a red herring. So where my mind was going, I thought that it was going to be, oh, no, it's Trevor and Bernadette who are – who are together. And that's where I thought we were going to go with that. Oh, I would have watched that movie. Oh, yeah. I, I know. Watched, I would have watched that Jordan movie. Jordan Peele, are you listening? You got right? the rights. You got to watch them. She walks in on them and then she calls in the Candyman. And then she, ooh, I would. Ooh. ooh, I mean, I would watch that movie like eight times. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I, that's where I thought it was going to go. And I think that's, a, that's infinitely more interesting because I feel that what. I feel that she has this. Um, this disdain almost for her yeah. because they should be equal partners in this, but it feels like she's the assistant the entire time. So yeah. she's not even being truly portrayed as like someone who has equal stake in this. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and yeah, I feel like there's this disdain for it. And, and yeah. to, to be, what would have required yeah. two black women to have yes. <laughs> some sort of role beyond what? <laughs> What? <laughs> right. And we can't. Sorry. We can't, no, we can't do that. I, yeah, no. It's impossible. You've already got Anne Marie. She's got enough of a story. Yeah. Okay. And then can't the, have another. There's two maids that are plot, or two cleaning gender ladies who are plot devices for the beginning. That's, that's right. That's a yeah, lot of it's, Yeah, it's too, yeah. too oh, much. Oh, wait. Yeah. I, I kind of wanted, I also felt like one thing that I thought was weird for me was I felt like the there was going to be more um more reverence for the for saying Candyman. like i thought that when when she said Candyman and then the black maids were just there i thought it was going to be like oh we don't say that that would have been like amazing. voldemort you know like <laughs> yeah. like ghetto voldemort like, like we don't say Candyman here no yeah we call him sweets for the sweet yeah, yeah, yeah exactly sweets for the sweet <laughs> other stray observations uh, i mean <laughs> there's so much to, right? i mean you know um i mean I do we have to talk about Stacy? She's such an afterthought. She's also her name is even just such an afterthought. Well, yeah. I mean, Stacy Stacy needs to learn how to cook because she's like tossing around. <laughs> that is one of my favorite scenes of her chopping in whatever meat and, and then throwing, throwing in a salad. It. What? So passive aggressive. Well, when she's like basically like the way she handles the knife and it's obviously fake. Like the knife, she's like you know putting it like tossing it in her hands, wearing no bra. Like, you know, let's just have her in no bra. Like, that's what is, was good, was going on. That's why I was like, you know, there's no... And, and to show that from the beginning, right? To show that from the get-go, that, mm-hmm. like, this is... This man is obviously stepping out on his wife in this oh, way. Oh, very clearly. Uh, yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't make... 
it doesn't make uh it, it didn't make any sense to me in, in that regard mm-hmm. um i i also kept thinking like you know how one thing that i'm starting to do now is like you know because can't jordan peele has the rights to candy man so right. he'll, he'll be rebooting it or remaking it and um you know, I'm, I like to think about movies now in terms of like how you could change it for for now. Like, what if Candyman? What if it was a gay love story? I mean, this mm-hmm. Clive Barker. <laughs> so, I mean, and yeah. I don't, and I didn't read the source material, so I don't know if it if that could be implied. But that'd be interesting, and that also like adds another element of like you know race and race and homophobia now mm-hmm. in. It's in weird because the book there or the the novella, mm-hmm. um, you know. Clive and his novellas. There's like there the baby is like the baby dies. Mm-hmm. Like his the the somebody breaks into the house and slits the kid's throat in the kitchen. It just leaves them there. And so later it's implied that the body's being used in some sort of sordid ways. So they don't really go into like, yeah. you know, I mean it's it's so the story is very interesting. I, I definitely recommend reading it, but it's mm-hmm. kind of stays on the surface for that kind of, it, you, mm-hmm. you don't get these deep, deep motivations. There's just hints at like, you know, really horrific things that are happening. So, but sexuality, I don't know, doesn't play into it, mm-hmm. it so much, you know, cause he's not even as like dandy type figure. Like he's described as having like this patchwork kind of outfit. And, oh, okay. You know, so it's kind of, yeah, again, it's very hard to, to place you know so i i definitely recommend reading it you know it's okay. it's it's interesting it's you know clive it is it's part of the books of blood and you know it's a um it's beautifully written and mm-hmm. you know like a lot of his stuff but again it's it's more about poverty and not mm-hmm. race and or sexuality like some of his other works they have hired lakeith stanfield to most likely be the helen Lyle character for the Ooh. movie so it might be interesting to see how what, what direction they take it in but he's going to be like an like an artist or interested in sort of like the art in what is potentially a gentrified Cabrini Green from what I've heard. So, huh. so it's interesting that they, like they won't do it like one-to-one. It's sort of like now it's a gentrified Cabrini Green, which was already a theme in the first movie anyway. So yeah. it might be interesting yeah. to see like what, how he's trying to look at the art behind yeah. that and what, what happens there. Yeah. And I think given like the, the state of like feminism and, you know, we're sort of seeing, you know, an, a, a, is it a new wave? I, I don't know exactly what to call it, but you know, we are, we are sort of having a lot of transformative conversations within all of our different left wing groups, you know, mm-hmm. leftist groups. Um, you know, there's a lot to be said about like believing women, you know, like she's there saying, I didn't do this. Like, this is what's happening to me. This is real. You know, so I'm curious how, how that will play. Cause not only are we living in this, in this society, like post black lives matter and this sort of movement where there, where we can have a much better or should, should have a much better conversation, especially mm-hmm. if it's in the hands of Jordan Peele, you know, about these issues, but also about women, you know? So I'm, I'm just curious to see what they, mm-hmm. what they end up doing. Who did you say they were for I Helen? Think, yeah. For Helen character. I think it's going to be Lakeith Stanfield. Yeah. Um, but, but Andre from get out, um, and from Atlanta, so it'll be interesting that, like, I don't know if they'll keep the same sort of love angle. And Cassius from uh, uh, Sorry to Bother You. Yes. Like, he's he's a very great actor. Yeah. He's fantastic. So it'll be interesting to see him in it. And I think there have been rumors that they've already cast the new Candyman, but I'm not sure who it is. I think it's someone from Atlanta as well. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. It's, it, it's uh, Donald Glover, actually. It is actually Donald Glover, yeah. It's Childish yeah. Gambino, and he is all the characters. Yes. Yeah. It's fine. He'll be the mom. Hey, uh, we're, I'm, we're here for it. I would watch that movie. <laughs> TJ, could you, could you talk to us a little bit about um, the... the uh, again, I'm, I'm not. You are. It's you a are. Blick. 
<laughs> as a historian. Oh, I am that too. As a historian, as a, as a doctor of time. Yes. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about media representations of the, these kinds of atrocities committed towards black bodies? Oh, sure. Um, I mean, that's a that's a very loaded statement, <laughs> and we could do three hours right. <laughs> and a mini series on that alone. But like you know, because uh, immediately I'm already thinking. Of, I'm thinking Emmett Till. I'm sure. thinking um, Megar Evers and mm-hmm. Mississippi Burning. Like right. that's where I'm going already. Like that's when when they're telling the story about what happened to the Candyman, mm-hmm. um, which is all in sound. They don't show it explicitly until the second one, which I always thought was kind of interesting because you true. just hear it in the background yeah. while she's. But but anyways, mm-hmm. but go but ahead. like, could you tell us a little bit about like how this story fits into that larger oh, that sure. larger context? Yeah, it's interesting because I think that the movie this is a very 1992 movie, right? right? In some ways, right? So. It's a, the it's, wipes and the credits alone in the beginning oh with like, I'm like, what you would do now with a drone, like someone had to like hire a helicopter to Absolutely. do. No, it was the first use of a sky cam. Oh. Yeah, it's groundbreaking. Yeah, they did not have, they that, the sky cam technology was brand new, so it was very... Oh, the, so the, fancy. That's what yes. it that many repeated shots of the University of Illinois Chicago Yeah, overhead. exactly. The, yeah. the, but the wipes of it are very, oh, and, and it's also very reminiscent of like Hitchcock as well with yeah. all of those, oh, yeah. with those wipes as well too, totally. but... Yeah. No, and also the fact that Virginia Madsen looks like the love child of Jillian Anderson and Madonna. Like, yes. it's just like, yes. oh, she's yeah, very Madonna that's true. in 1992. Yeah. yeah. But I think in terms of it being a very 1992 movie, right, in that there is a sort of post, sort of a, a generation past immediate civil rights victories, right? That is a sort of moment mm-hmm. of sort of beginning to reckon with and think through this, right? This is the same year that Malcolm X as a movie comes out, right, in 92. Um, but going back to answer the sort of larger question, yeah, immediate representation of the sort of these atrocities and thinking about film, right. Or thinking about the ways in which is seen at first, right. Most of these depictions are predominantly white centric and about mm-hmm. sort of like telling a narrative, right. We can think about birth of a nation in 1913, right. The sense of it's specifically telling us violence against black bodies, but as a, as a triumphalist narrative, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. And then it's not until we have this sort of shift um, in the fifties and sixties and we're bidding, we're beginning to see, sort of like the use of visual shocking representation of say Emmett Till's murder or the mm. killing of Megar Evers or throughout the 1960s, right? The killing of Malcolm X and then again of Martin Luther King and each of these moments becoming sort of very particular displays, right? These are, this is a very particular tactic during the civil rights movement to have and solicit or to elicit, not solicit, to elicit like this sort of violence against black bodies that then gets you know, visually recorded. And so that white people across America are suddenly seeing like, they can't say this is not who America is, right? It actually right. is like, this is America. Yeah. This is the violence that we see. And so I think that that it fits in the sort of longer ambit of like, yeah, the pro- much of the 1960s and early 1970s, we're seeing violence against sort of black bodies as sort of an impetus for change um, or a sort of a, or as a condemnation of sort of societal structures. Um, and so you have a generation later in the late eighties, early nineties with this sense of, I think often for like for black Americans, there's a sense of like, well, where do we fit in this struggle? We have, we've not inherited the immediate legal discrimination or, 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 um, immediate legal punishments, right? We very clearly there, there's a lot of de facto punishments. We think about at the same time, the central park five mm-hmm. that are the black men that are being, yeah. uh, sort of unfairly accused and it, particularly by our current president, um, who right. takes out an ad near papers calling for their, for their execution and they turn out to be innocent. Um, but you have this sort of, at the same time for, for black Americans, you have, um, the divestment um, and boycott movement for South Africa as a sense of like trying to reclaim in the mid to late 1980s, a level of activism and collective black response that they haven't seen since their parents' generation. And so one thing that's interesting about 
and Candyman. It does. I think it does fit in a late eighties, early nineties movement of sort of seeing like, well, we know these, these things are no longer recent events. They're now seen as history, like these cornerstone history events. It's now mm-hmm. 20, 25 years since, you know, civil rights, like the, the immediate, the immediate civil rights gains. And so now what does it mean for us in the wake of sort of like ostensible Cosby show era victories or the potential mm-hmm. like of being in, in, in representation? Um, what does it mean for us to articulate historic black suffering? What does it mean to actually still look at this injustice? And also, if we think about it in terms of 1992, this is the same time in which um, NWA is getting trouble for fuck the police. This is the same time right. in which we have the visual representation of um, the violence against Rodney King that starts the LA riots, yeah. where we have the images of the riots of seeing black disorder, where Cabrini Green is seen as a symbol of black failure and disorder, right? And Chicago failure. So we have, in this moment, Candyman does a really good job of sort of encapsulating what we imagine um, this sort of post ostensible civil rights crisis, right? We're like, oh, well, we fixed it. Nah, nah, dog, it's still going on. But there's this sort of imagery of like, well, what does it mean to show this sort of violence? What does it mean to return to it and then talk about how it still continues? And I think yeah. that continues on. God, it, we are as far from Candyman as Candyman was from the end of the civil rights movement, which is nuts. Like, yeah. it's sort of like, we no, are, you're right. we're almost 30 years out, right? And so it's very surreal to recognize that um, it's a commentary on something that was that, that that long ago that now for us to look back 25 years later on Candyman, we're like, oh, these 20, are now yeah, 27 years. Yeah, yeah. And now it's, now it's in history, right? Yeah. It's no longer like a recent film. It's like a thing that has been assigned to a very particular time and space that for us has that valence. So looking at these images, it's going to see like by taking this sort of historic black violence and saying, this is still part of the now, but also in 1992, people would have thought of, there are no go zones. There are dangerous black inner city neighborhoods. There are, you know, this violence ready to happen. It's, it's coming out at the same time that the riots do. So it's the sense of like a very particular sense of like visceral violence against black bodies and yet white fear of this violence. And mm-hmm. so I think Candyman doesn't really, it, I mean, to give it more credit perhaps than it needs, but like the sense of like, it is an interesting snapshot in time about how people think about very visible public spectacles of black violence. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, that's kind of the whole point. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we're, it is, we're, it's anthropology kind of in a way of what we're doing here yeah. is trying to, trying to find like, you know, that the purpose it was serving mm-hmm. and, and, you know, when they made these choices, when they adapted the movie and, you know, I don't know exactly the casting that happened, you know, it could be like, um, again, <laughs> just keep on bringing horror noir because it's so fresh, right. but you know, um, Dwayne, you know, the, um, night of the living dead, like he just came in and killed the audition. They were like, Hey, cool. Well, now it's about this black guy. people. Yeah. Right. And then it becomes about black people. And so I don't know if that's the same thing where Tony Todd showed up and it's like, Hey, this is a scary fucking dude. Like let's use him. But he also brought that romanticism or the, the other things that they were trying to get at that he brought it and that just became, and then all of a sudden it is this discussion. It's no longer yeah. about class he, he or, or poverty this, he has this like swag about the him. gravitas like, he has yeah. this gravitas this like you yeah. know this very you the moment you see him on screen the moment you see him fully on screen yeah. um in that in that parking garage yeah. it's just like yeah there's no one else that could play that there's right. no one else yeah. that could play he's, that in that moment he's very good so it's like yeah i'm curious like how much of the of the film like you know but again you don't know like they, they're making something you know and that's been sort of the thesis of this whole show is like you know people that were raised and experienced like you know the the second world war like the Mm -hmm. vietnam war and those people became artists and they became filmmakers and they made things like the texas chainsaw massacre and they made things like nightmare on elm street you know and all of that like you know how how aware were they of that right you know when they're Mm -hmm. making Candyman, did they realize you know 
yeah. this this commentary mm-hmm. you know how much of it is purposeful and how much of it's like yeah we just made a scary movie and he was yeah. he was scary and we yeah. accidentally you know, <laughs> give a reason for us to discuss that could be right like and i know for sure at least secondarily they'd already decided on the cabrini green part and i don't know yeah. but i know that that the the Virginia Madsen casting was secondary, right? Yeah, so yeah, she yeah. was not supposed to be the lead, right? Yeah. She was supposed to be Bernadette. They even tried and, to get Sandra Bullock or something? Yeah. So they yeah, were gonna, it was going to be Bernadette. So she was initially like, they were always thinking about Virginia Madsen in it, but she was going to be Bernadette. And then yeah. they're like, if this movie is about black people, we need Bernadette needs to be black. And so they were like, so, they're, so they, they fired um, Virginia Madsen. And then they... Then the main actress that was going to play Helen Lyle had to drop out. And so then... Yeah, she Virginia, got pregnant. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And then Virginia Madsen got the role. And if Virginia wasn't going to take it, they were like, well, there's this young brunette, Sandra Bullock, that could do it. And this mm. is before Speed. This yeah. is before anything else. So She would have been great. I would have loved to see that. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Yeah. I, yeah. I, would have been know. a very different film, though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Again, there's so much to unpack here <laughs> in it. Um we're already probably like two hours into the show. Or, yeah, about an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, you know, uh, but I, I love this. This is exactly like what this show is about. I mean, <laughs> it's, you know, I, I, I do, I am looking forward to it being reimagined or, you know, sure. whatever the, the word is like, cause I'm just curious. Cause I think it does still speak like watching it, mm-hmm. you know, today again. And I mean, I, I think just a couple months ago I watched it and probably a few months before I, I, re- I enjoyed Candyman. I, yeah. I think it's creepy. And, and again, because it's beautiful. The, the, Philip Glass doing yeah. the oh yeah it's one of the most gorgeous soundtracks yeah. and it's so funny because I was reading like a quote from him about like how he kind of felt duped you know because he yeah. thought he, he had read the source material and thought they were going to do this very beautiful artsy kind of film and so he made this beautiful score and then he was like what the fuck is this <laughs> but he still gets checks and in in the and he loves it know, he's like I still get money yeah yeah so it's like whatever but it's you know it's beautiful so it's like I also like to listen to it I think I think it's got a lot of you know, of that sort of ambient texture that yeah. <laughs> I just can put it on, and, you know. Well, and my feeling um, about, about yeah, Candyman yeah. is this and that it's like, it is, it's almost like two separate movies, right? Like yeah. it is trying to do, so it's like this Philip Glass soundtrack. Mm-hmm. It's about race. It's about like, it's about sort of like poverty. It's mm-hmm. about inequity. And then it's also like a basic commercial like horror film that yeah. also is a well aware of the fact that it's a horror film, right? It begins with the most cliched like slasher genre, right? It begins with the retelling. That's just the, that one non IRB approved student like quotation that's being added to the story. Right. She's like, this happened to my friend. And then, then she yeah. died. And right. So it's like, it's, it's, I always find it fascinating because it's like, I'm watching two movies. I'm yeah. watching this sort of very like, you know, middle of the road, like standard horror film. And then I'm also like, but it wants to be this. Like it wants to be. And so when you hear Philip Glass, like, oh, I'm like, okay, this yeah. is the bridge between what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. No, movie. totally. Absolutely. And th- I mean, that's another reason I think I really l- liked this movie is because mm-hmm. it, it connects so much. Cause I definitely saw it probably 93. Cause yeah. my, it was, again, I remember my mom going with a different current boyfriend. No, actually I think she was still with my, brothers and sisters <laughs> so i think they went to see it together and then she came back oh my god it was so good because you know my mom was very very young when she had us i, I think she had, she had me when i was 15 i was raised by a teenager and and a very young 20 something so she let us watch lots of scary movies so i saw it probably as soon as it came out sure. on vhs found it terrifying it but i scary. also loved scary stories to tell in the dark and i loved i had all of these books and things about urban legends and you know and he fits right in with the bloody mary and all of those sorts of mm-hmm. sorts of things so again it, it has such a, a special place with me because of like my life at the time and mm-hmm. all these things that were informing and i was just really into like urban legend 
creepy kind of stuff that felt very real, you yeah. know, and we would do, we would all get in the bathroom together as kids and, and do Bloody Mary and do Candyman. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was so yeah. freaky and, you know, so <laughs> that's just my, my personal connection to this. <laughs> But what about you, Joe? Do you remember seeing it when you were seven or eight? No. Uh, no. When you saw it a few hours ago. No. I did see Rising Sun, um, oh. and I watched uh, um, I watched uh, a man uh, choke, a, choke a woman out as he was eating her out. So, Oh. Yeah. And that is why you are heterosexual. And that is why, yes, and that is why I... Now we found your roots. I sleep with men. Uh, mm-hmm. Because that's, you know, because it's not a choice. It's formed by environment, so... The line is very thin. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's it'll be interesting to see how you know the this movie the, the when the reboot comes out right. you know the old because the original Candyman is about you know this no go area and that's where the Candyman lives and then now you know potentially Candyman lives in a gentrified area so it's like everyone goes now so. right yeah well that's one of the things that I, I think one of the things I read about sort of like in discussing like racism, it's like, why is he attacking the, these people in the housing project when he could just like go eight miles, I guess, away and yeah. like harass the actual perpetrators of the crime. You mm-hmm. know? But other than just being trapped, you know, in, you know, I mean, it doesn't give us rules, so we don't know, yeah. you know, again, like he's sleeping at the, or sleeping. It's, you, we don't have a f- fast rule. He's a sexy you know? bee vampire. It's yeah. Vampire. Cause he obviously can, you know, he goes to the hospital. He can go other places, but anyways, that's a whole other thing. So, uh, <laughs> I do want to quickly mention that I, I read two articles, um, in, in that, that kind of formed some of my uh, conversation today. One is from horror homeroom, uh, which is a cool site where they have lots of thoughts and lots of people that are contributing articles that analyze horror the way we do. And so there was one by a woman named Elizabeth Irwin, Race and Historical Memory in Candyman. So I want to plug that. I, I highly recommend you read that if you're you know keeping up with the um, uh, our outside sources. Nice. You know. And then the, the second, before Get Out, there was Candyman by Manuela Lazik. And this is from, uh, oh shoot, not Reddit, the reader, the... I don't know. If you can just look it up. Before Get Out, there was Candyman. I remember reading that one. It's good. Yeah. No, it's great. And it compares like Get Out and sort of the different, the, 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 the cultural conversations they're having and how there's a lot of, a lot to mirror between the, uh, the experiences in both films, which I, I really, really, really like. So I, I highly recommend that uh, people read that. Uh, obviously, uh, Clive Barker, The Forbidden, if you want to read the source material. And then we, they just, I don't know what this is, a special edition Candyman. Yeah. That's the DVD that we watched. It just came out. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that's kind of, that, that's the, for the, you know, housekeeping of that. <laughs> read the source materials. Yes. Hey, were you going to say something, Jer? No. I'm just looking lovingly at you. Oh, across time and space, waiting for you yes. in this moment. He's made of bees. Exactly. I am the Candyman. Mm, the Candyman can. Yeah. <laughs> so I have. A I question. thought it was going to be about Sammy Davis Jr.'s <laughs> ghost, you know, just, or Willy Wonka. <laughs> yeah. That's what. That's so funny that you said that because that's what um, Tony Todd was like hung up the phone because he's like, "What the hell? Like, I- I'm too tall to play him. Yeah, so, let's ah, move ah, on." Ah, he, didn't, yeah, yeah, he wasn't sure what the movie was about, that's so he was amazing. like, "No, I'm not doing that." Sorry, but go no ahead. Worries. You have a question. I have a question for you guys, right? So after I watched the movie too, like with my I, my friend turned to me and he was like, "So." do you want to go in the bathroom and say Candyman? And I was like, uh, absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> not under any circumstances whatsoever. And so fun question for you guys is, would you go into a dark bathroom now and say Candyman five times? Fuck no. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
So here, here, like we've talked a little bit about this in the past. Like I'm ready to believe in stuff. I don't. I'm like stone cold atheist. <laughs> I don't believe in ghosts. I don't. You know. I don't. You know. I it, it just. You know. So like, there's that part where he's like, believe in me. I'm like, girl. Like he's in the fucking hallway. Like if she doesn't believe in him, <laughs> I mean, like, he's literally in front of you. Yeah, yeah. Like he's there. You don't have to keep asking. I believe. Yeah. I'm taking off. I'm running. So yeah, there's probably part of me that would still uh, do it just to see if he showed mm-hmm. up, and they'd be like, oh, okay, well I was wrong. <laughs> and then and then I'm dead now. I'm yeah. dead. Dying. You're like yeah. a graduate student. You're but like, I'm sorry. Man. If it's sexy ass Tony Todd, like sounds good to me. Oh, like yeah. I'll I'll be I'll be your your right hook. At, <laughs> like I'm here for it. <laughs> you know, I'll travel with you through time and space, scaring people. I mean, that is kind visiting of nice. Joe, right? <laughs> and suddenly your your hair will be a flame halo painted. Yes, I love that. I love that like image of like the anima soul in the end. This sort of like you know woman in purgatory. Like it's what did you call it? The anima, the anima sola. Oh, what is that? But isn't that? I thought that was part of like Catholic imagery, like the woman in flames, I mean, like she's in purgatory. No, I mean it's a lot. I mean, not used that often, but yes, it also yeah. was funny because at first I was like anima, and then I was like, no, anima sola, yeah. But yeah, I was like, anima but sola, I was yeah. like, I also was like, what anima is this? And I was like, right. no, no, it is this sort of like. Uh, this, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm always ready. If you've got pictures of ghosts or things, like I'm, I'm here to see it. I'm here for it. Like I, I would love that. I want to believe in magic and mermaids. So, you know, I'm, I'm here if you can prove it. I definitely would not. Yeah. Uh, there's just, you know, if there's just things you just don't tempt. Um, you just don't tempt because there's, you know, you always, there's a little bit of belief in there for me. So I Aww. just wouldn't do it. That's okay. That's yeah. all right, John. That's why we love you. Cause it, you know, yeah. you, 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 you keep that. You will survive this horror movie. Cause you're like, I'm not, I'm not following this fucking idiot into this b- the pension yeah. building. <laughs> and also they've, they've both just invited a black person. So they know that they'll at least survive for the first five minutes. Of exactly. This, this oh, and you queer too. So I know girl is fine. <laughs> and I'm done. the comic relief. So I'm one and two. It's cool. It's fine. <laughs> you also have all the answers. So you probably will die right away. Well, and you know, well, we don't have to do, or I'll yeah. be, I'll be around for like the first third to like explain the plot and then I'll die in some sort of gruesomely appropriate. Yeah. And then we'll have to remember right. what it is, that and you, you won't, said. and yeah. it'll be exactly like and that. You know, and that you, that's so great because then you get to play the magical and the um, what is it? The magical and the sacrificial negro. It's, like, you get I've to always, be both. I've always wanted to be both. It's true. It's true. And I will be grumpy the entire time. I'll be an angry spirit the entire, uh, entire time. I love it. What's the thing that they said? Like the closest way that you can experience being a ghost is to listen to a podcast where the people don't know something that you know the answer to. And oh, they're yeah. asking about it. So yeah, just. <laughs> Right, this is, that's what it's that's like. That's so true. It's exactly what it's like to be a ghost. Like yeah. you're asking how, a question, you're I, listening. You're like, no, no. I, I don't know how many times I'm in my car and I've yelled. <laughs> I have yelled. It's this. Yep. It's this. It's Clarissa explains it all. <laughs> it's Clarissa explains it all. <laughs> we'll never know. Her we'll brother's know. name was Ferguson. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, we'll never know. Ferguson, darling, we'll never yes. know. I can't remember. What, there was something on Horror Movie Night recently that I was listening to that I was. They were all. They they needed somebody's name and they didn't say it. And I was like, oh, I know who it is, but mm-hmm. I don't remember what it was. But well. uh TJ, you've been a freaking delight. Oh, thanks, Gabe. This has been so much fun. I'm so glad that you uh, took time out of your Sunday to come, you know, because I mean, I imagine you would have been in church or something, right? I mean, mean, actually, I am a sassy Lutheran, so I was earlier today. Well, there we go. Yeah, that's why I'm also scared of Candyman. Yeah. (laughs) Because you're a Lutheran? That's right. Yeah, because I'm Lutheran. I'm scared of so many things. Well, I'm yeah. glad that you came and spent time course, with us. So yeah. please, please come back and we, we can talk about all kinds of movies. Uh, whatever you want to talk about, it's I'm fun. Like, and I, I look forward to the 
well, your syllabus. Of, I do have to say, this is, this is a goddamn thrill for me because I feel like it's the most cliche thing to say, like, long-time listener, first-time caller. Yeah. But yeah, so I, <laughs> as, a, as a fan of the, of the podcast, it makes me very happy, too. Oh. And when you guys do go see us, if you want to talk about us, I would be extraordinarily happy to talk about another Jordan Peele yes. like, black people horror movie. I like, would love that. Well, we're okay. going to go um, next we're, week. We're going next week. Yeah. Well, off-air, we'll talk. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, yeah, girl, yeah. I would always watch it. Yeah. Yeah, that'd yeah. be yeah. awesome. Fine. Done. Um, and uh, yeah, so th- thanks, 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 thanks for coming and <laughs> doing this with us. And uh, Joe, as always, I, I adore you. I was and, uh, I was going to attempt to <laughs> I was going to attempt to say uh, thank you in an African language. I just realized I don't know any. So I'll uh, just I'll teach both of you. How's that? Yeah. Sure. So in, in Zulu, we would say Giabonga. Giabonga. Good. Giabonga. Good. Giabonga. Kulongile. That's your welcome. But yeah, Giabonga. 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 Yes. I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, hold on. Just briefly, what else do you teach? You, so you teach, he teaches Zulu to his to his uh, students, I which do. if you know anything about the socioeconomic makeup of students at <laughs> University of San Diego, you would think that uh, that just is hilarious to me. It is. But the, the two phrases that you teach them are, I just have to, I just have to get this on record. <laughs> One that I will say openly is first off, um, yes. Unga Bamba Lezizandla, which is you can catch these hands, which is a very appropriate thing to teach the children. Yes. And you know what? Fine. I guess I will say. You mean you don't have to. No, I kind of. Yeah, no, I do. So um, the f- welcome listeners. One of the things that I love to say is, Gizoku Pulala Gizandazami, which is I will kill you with my own hands, which is always an appropriate and beautiful thing to say to people. Yes. You just smile politely at them. You like yes. Gizoku Pulala I like people who do the work themselves. Yeah. You know? <laughs> You, know, you get in there and you just, do, yeah, yeah, you're not paying anybody. I'm not going to phone it in. I will kill you with yeah. my own hands. I think there. that's, I think that's, it's important. You yeah. Know, it's good. We have strong work ethics here, you know, mm-hmm. I'm yes. going to do it myself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Joe, uh, yeah. Um, this is watch great. out for the, watch out for the candy man. Yeah. Don't, don't, uh, you know, cover all the mirrors in your house that's right. and, yes. uh, and, uh, have a good night. Bye. <laughs> Fright School is produced by Joshua Napier and Joe Farron. Our intro was edited by Davy Boy Productions. Our logo was designed by Jamie Channel Guzman. Episodes are edited and engineered by Joe Farron. Fright School is produced in terrifyingly beautiful San Diego, California. listening to the Geekscape Network.